being a leader, um, there's, there's always going to be ups and downs and be okay with that. Be okay with the highs, be okay with the lows, um, and learn from it. And nobody expects leaders to be perfect. Um, and it's okay when you make those mistakes. Um, we call them learning opportunities on my team. Um, they're opportunities to grow, opportunities to learn, um, and give yourself that grace because being a great leader takes time. It does not happen overnight. Thank you for pressing the play button and tuning in to Own Your Space. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. I really appreciate you being here. We are a community of leaders, whether it's self-leadership or servant leadership. We are all here to grow and support each other in being better versions of ourselves. People first. We serve each other with love and compassion. We lean in. Just because something is doesn't mean that's the way it has to be. Each week, I have a guest on who shares their journey. And in some episodes, I talk about my journey, my personal experiences. We support each other here. So thank you for being here. And if you would like to join our community, hit the subscribe button. And again, thank you for tuning into the show. And thank you for tuning into you. Own your space. In this episode, I sit down with Mary Silva. I invited her to the show because she inspires me. She's a single mother who's been raising her son for the last 15 years, moving up in different leadership roles, all while continuing her education, earning two master's degrees in communication and human relations. She's passionate about people, not only about their professional development, but also their personal development. She truly cares about her team in a holistic way. I asked Mary about her journey, lessons learned, her development, her mentors, her goals, and who inspired her early on in her life. Um, I mean, my dad worked so hard for so long. Um, you know, he didn't necessarily have the most education. He, um, you know, he actually, when he first started working for Fry's, he was an apprentice, you know, he had to actually learn a brand new skill um, and made a career out of it for 40 some years. And he, the way he um, carried himself, the way people respected him and looked to him, um, I mean, he didn't work eight hours, he would work 12, 13 hours. He worked on holidays and weekends. Um, he just, I mean, he just worked so hard. Um, and I just always admired that about him. Um, you know, and I remember him coming home and he was tired, uh, but we were always provided for, um, and when we would go to the store, we, I remember going like on Saturdays with my mom to go grocery shopping and my dad would always come out and we would go like to the snack bar and we would sit down and get a pizza and everybody would walk by my dad would like shake his hand and smile and talk about like, you know, how, you know, a great guy or they would joke around and you could just tell there was this level of mutual respect. And so I just always admired that. And, you know, I decided early on, whatever I wanted to do, you know, you, my dad would say, just be the best that you can be, you know, work as hard as you can at whatever it is you want to do. He would tell me growing up, you know, as I got into high school, if you want to be, you know, 
a sanitation engineer, then be the best sanitation engineer. You want to be, you know, if this is where your heart leads you, then, you know, you got to work at it, but be the best at it. It doesn't matter what you want to do. And so I've always just kind of taken that with me, whether it was sports or, you know, going to school or being a parent, like that's just always been kind of like my mentality and drive. Um, that I want to be the best, um, knowing that you're going to fail. But as long as you put that effort in, like, good things are going to happen. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And, you know, for full disclosure, um, I know your dad very well. <laughs> um, and he's been a father figure to me at a time in my life when I needed him. And um, selfless, uh, hardworking, and obviously uh, just a wonderful role model, wonderful man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when, how old were you when you felt like you kind of stepped into this leader role? I mean, was there kind of a time in your life that kind of clicked for you? Um, probably I would say in my early twenties. Um, and definitely, um, I actually started becoming a manager, um, in movie theaters, very, very young, very early on. Um, I think I was about 20 when I became a manager at a movie theater. Um, and that was kind of like my first, you know, taste of kind of what it's like to lead people and be responsible for other people. And when you're just a few years removed from the average age of the workforce, it's definitely interesting. Um, and how to, you know, you've got to learn how to separate yourself and adjust and you can't just react and respond, you know, how you normally would when you talk to them. Um, but I would say for me, the biggest time that it really started to click was um, when I got pregnant with my son, I realized, okay, like, you know, there's so many things that, you know, I'm going to be responsible for. And I really need to learn, like, is this the route I want to go and be in management? Or is this something I want to go a different path? And so for me, it was right around the time that I became pregnant with my son, where it was like, man, I definitely enjoy helping people and working with people and I want people to be successful. And so I decided this is where I kind of want to stay. And it really just kind of went from there of, you know, a year later, 25 being a senior manager. Um, and then a, like about 18 months to two years later, I'm a general manager. And, you know, being responsible for over 130 people um, and having, you know, multiple senior managers and a, a you know, management team of 20 plus, um, it's a lot, you know, being 27, 28 and, and you know, dealing with all of this um, was a challenge, but I loved it. I loved seeing people grow. And so it was this paradigm shift for me when I left um, managing a theater to moving into corporate America, because it's, it's definitely a different mindset that you have, but I really learned how to hone my skills and keep that same enjoyment of seeing people achieve their dreams when I left me from a movie theater setting to actually corporate America. Yeah, so you said quite a bit there, and so I want to kind of rewind a little. Um, so you were 24 as a single mother? And yeah. And uh, stepping into these leadership roles of many people. And yeah, so being a single mom is just has its challenges to begin mm -hmm. with, and then to be driven to, uh, to apply yourself. And, and you mentioned, um, you said something along the lines of uh, putting your you can't just react, 
because mm. you're because you've got people that are looking to you for direction. And it's almost like stepping into that leadership role makes you challenge yourself to be better. Not like if you're outside the leadership role, it's like, well, I'm just trying to be better, but now I'm responsible for all these people and their development. So now I've really got to dig deep and, and watch what I say, how I respond. And then ultimately it's not just the right thing to do. It just makes us better as people. Yeah. That's a, I think that that's actually um, at times a pitfall for people when they think about wanting to become a leader or a manager um, I, I've worked with a lot of people who want to get promoted. And that's actually a big thing that we talk about in conversation. I'll ask them why, why do you want to become a leader, you know, or why do you want to become a manager? And a lot of them are just like, well, I want to be in charge. <laughs> and it makes me laugh. I get what they're saying. Um, it, you know, it's more of like, I think at that point we talk a lot, well, that's something more like power. You know, you, as a leader, you're constantly having to learn and you constantly have to improve. Um, and you have to adjust, you know, how you talk to people, you know, individually. And, you know, you can't use that blanket cookie cutter approach. And to do that, you have to continue to learn and grow with yourself. Um, I know for me, very early on, that was difficult. You know, I didn't really know how to adjust. Um, you know, I knew how to talk to people and I knew to be respectful to people, but I really didn't know how to adjust my management style to hit everybody's needs. Um, and that was, that was a challenge for me very early on. And I think a lot of um, new leaders, regardless of age, can struggle with that because they don't realize that you do have to put a lot of work in, a lot of self-development. And you, part of it is though you do it outside of working hours. So they don't see that final product. Um, they just, you know, will either say, oh, you're a good manager or they're a horrible manager. <laughs> I don't really get it in between normally when I talk to people, but they don't realize that that good manager has probably spent a lot of time trying to improve themselves and learn from their mistakes. Yeah. And there's definitely, I think in my journey, um, transitioning from leading uh, people or a team of people that are doing things to leading leaders who are leading people doing things. That for me was really um, a, an experience because at an early age, I leaded people. And then as I got into my twenties, uh, later twenties, early thirties, I started to lead leaders. And, and there's definitely a, a, a dynamic there where you start to really learn about and hone in on who you are and what you're capable of and push yourself a little bit further. Yeah. For sure. Um, so outside of your dad, I mean, did you, I mean, listen, uh, in wonderful man, were there other influences in your life that maybe leaders in your industry, yeah, did you have any mentors? Yeah, I've actually been very blessed and very lucky. Um, any company that I've ever worked for, I've had some really strong mentors um, and they would always crack up because they would tell me one of my strengths is I was quick to identify people that could help me become better. Um, I was quick to recognize um, areas that I knew I needed to work on. And so I would try to latch on to people who displayed that quality or had that and, and really just try and be like a sponge with them. And one of the leaders, and it's funny because when I think about the leaders, they are so different. So when I worked at the movie theater, I actually had this amazing, amazing mentor and his name was Tree. Um, and he was a very quiet man. 
um, very quiet. And me and him were, could have been more opposite than you could possibly think about because I am not the person to be super quiet. And I remember a lot of times people would struggle with him as a leader because they just didn't really, because he was so quiet, they never felt they knew what was going on um, or if they were doing a good job or not. And I'm like, oh my God, he's an amazing leader. He was a quiet, strong leader um, and he was super supportive. And he would, anytime I'd make a mistake as a young senior manager, he would pull me in his office. And I just remember thinking to myself how amazing he was to give me grace. It wasn't like you're being pulled into the principal's office. Um, it was, okay, so what happened? Tell me about it. Well, why would you do that? Or explain this to me. Um, and he never once raised his voice ever to me. Um, I remember always feeling like I would disappoint him, but he never told me I disappointed him. He never told me, you know, that was bad or you were horrible. It was, okay, well, now we know going forward, let's, let's work on this or let's be mindful of this. And he really kind of brought this new skill to me. It was very different, you know, this new skill of grace and um, seeking to understand a little bit more. Um, and so I loved him, still um, in contact with him. Um, you know, even it's been like 20 some years. Um, and I, I just think about that a lot. And I actually, with my new team, I think about that even more so with the pandemic and how we've had to really have this paradigm shift on how we manage people to where I've done a lot more of that. You know, um, when someone doesn't have a deadline, the grace of maybe there's bandwidth issues or maybe there's things going on at home <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> we just don't know about. So let's, let's give some more grace. Um, and, you know, to learn that at 25 and to still, you know, 15, 16 years later, be able to pull from that. He was an amazing mentor. Um, and I have an amazing mentor now. Currently, I work with Amazon, um, and he has just been instrumental in really helping me um, find my voice and figure out, you know, how to um, share what I bring to the table um, and to be heard and to be, you know, to recognize that it isn't always in corporate world. It's very different, but it isn't so much about being liked, but, you know, being respected with your peers um, being respected of what do you bring to the table um, and valuing, you know, difference in opinions. And he's really just helped me embrace a lot of that. So I'm very grateful for him. Yeah, it's so important. Um, you know, diversity inclusion is a big part of my world. And, you know, I, I hear a lot of people talk about it and use the phrase diversity inclusion. And sometimes you don't know if it's, hey, I just need to check a box or do they really embrace it? You know, yeah. And I think that wholeheartedly, uh, we become better, not just individuals, better organizations, a better world when we totally embrace it, because people grow up in different atmospheres, different settings, and they have different perspectives. And the more perspectives that you can bring into a team, you're just going to knock it out of the park because it's just everybody has ideas and, um, and you don't always see things the way somebody else sees it. And, you know, sometimes we think, oh, my way is the right way, or this is what I've known. And, and part of becoming a leader is really stepping back from your, getting out of your own way, you mm -hmm. know, letting, letting kind of this breath of fresh air come into the mix and say, wow, I didn't really see things that way. And by the way, that represents a good majority of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, fact, I think that's huge that people don't realize. 
Yeah, one of uh, my favorite quotes from uh, Maya Angelou is, um, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I just love that quote because it's true. And, and, you, and you talked a little bit about it, it just being respectful and, and you know, letting people kind of use their voice. Because I know uh, when you said uh, you're one of your new mentors or one of your mentors um, kind of has helped you learn to find your voice. And my first thought was, is uh, I've known you for a long time and you've never had a problem finding your voice. But I think what you meant was really honing in and, and, and dialing into that and just kind of in a, in a broader spectrum, just kind of learning how to navigate through situations. Yeah, and the corporate world is very different. Um, you know, I'm working at the movie theater for as long as I did. Um, you know, it was locally owned, you know, still kind of small, moved to five states, but still it was that, um, you know, hometown mom and pop kind of like, you know, homegrown raised company, which, you know, I'm very grateful for everything that I learned from there, but it's very different when you step into the corporate world um, and how fast things move, um, you know, and, it is interesting because people who do know me know I have no problem speaking up. But when you're in a room with, you know, it can be very intimidating when you're in a room with people who maybe have been doing this for years. Um, you know, being an outsider coming in, um, maybe this wasn't your um, specific path, career path, but based off of skills, they saw something in you and they brought you in. And you don't know the relationships, you don't necessarily maybe know the full culture. Um, and you're, you know, and, and being a woman, even sitting at this table with a lot of men, sometimes you have to um, approach, approach it differently. And so I do a lot of like listening, you know, and just kind of taking it in and trying to pick my moments as people get to know me. Um, and that was something my mentor really gave me some great ideas on how to handle that. Um, and just really um, pushed me to speak up. And when they were in meetings, um, they did something that just sometimes I would kind of get emotional later and I'm like, I kind of teared up uh, because he would always make a point after like you'd be in a meeting and of course virtual, which everyone knows is hard to chime in. Um, <laughs> you get a delay. He would always call on me. Hey, Mary, what's your thought? Hey, Mary, what do you think about that? Or do you have anything or ideas? And what he did is he was just giving me permission, you know, where even though I didn't need it, he was opening that up and um, I've been with Amazon for over three years, but that opened something up in me that I took away and would do on my team. When I recognized in somebody who wasn't speaking up, um, I would say, hey, well, what do you think? I would go around the room and ask everybody. Um, and that really helped. And I think it also, again, continuing to build yourself to be a better leader um, and recognize that, you know, not everybody's gonna have that same um, confidence to speak up. But as people started speaking up, they had some great ideas, but they just yeah. nervous or didn't know how to share that. Like they were waiting for that permission. Yeah. And you mentioned um, being a female sitting at a table with a bunch of men. And I, on, you know, I've been in corporate America for 20 plus years. And sometimes as a man, I forget that. And I remember um, being in a situation where, cause I, I worked for an outsourced service company. And so, uh, you know, many, many years ago in my career, I had flown into uh, Seattle for an interview to help manage a big client. And mm -hmm. 
Um, and I found myself in a boardroom being interviewed by three women. And then up on the screen, there were, uh, so I was in Seattle physically, but there was three TVs. Uh, there was a, a woman in New York, a woman in Chicago, and a woman in Dallas. So here I am in a room with six women, and it really shifted for me. And I mm -hmm. felt out of my element. And that moment kind of clicked for me, like, wow. I've never really considered this until I was in that situation. And so as I go forward, it was a big, it was a big growth moment for me in my career, because as I go forward to what you said, you know, it, it's really that sometimes uh, being a man and just, it's always been that way, or we've always done that way in corporate, you kind of forget that thing unless you've experienced it or had some sort of, uh, you know, situation that has allowed you to grow uh and and sometimes it takes people like yourself just to bring it to people's attention you know you kind of have to put that in there and go hey imagine being the only man sitting in a room mm -hmm. and you know and and it really shifts the uh the paradigm just is is shifts so um yeah very cool um what What's, what's a challenge that you've had to, like a life lesson in your, in your leadership development growth that you had to overcome that was one of those, you know, eye-opening moments? Um, I think for me, um, really re understanding, realizing the impact and effect that I can have on people's lives and their careers. Um, Again, because when I worked at the movie theater, you know, a lot of times that was people's first jobs, you know, 16, 17 years old. And, you know, if you had to let them go, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily always the end of the world, right? Like they were going to find another job or they were going to go to, you know, dominoes and they, their entire livelihoods wasn't, um, you know, relying on them in this, this role. And as I started moving around and moving up, um, you know, that having to let people go and having those hard conversations was a challenge for me. Um, and I really struggled at finding the line in the sand of where it was like, okay, it's probably at this point, not the best for the company or the best for the team, um, where we have to make these tough calls and decisions. Yeah. And for me growing up, you know, I, didn't necessarily, I wasn't, we weren't the richest family by any means. And so like, I always would think about like, my dad lost his job. Like, I don't know what would have happened to us, you know, or my mom lost her job. And as I became a parent, even more so, I just really struggled with um, how do I help people who are, you know, doing well to either help them improve themselves or sometimes have to make that hard call. And um, I would avoid it. <laughs> yeah. uh, very early on I would avoid it because it was like I mean I'd be my job I would never lose <laughs> their job but I didn't necessarily understand or know how to help them to get where they needed to be because I was still trying to figure out how to be a leader you know and a manager in my role um and so that was a big challenge for me um and so it actually took mentors where I would reach out to them and say look like I feel bad like and they would always laugh at me because they were like, I hear a lot of, I feel, I feel, I feel, Mary. And I'm like, but that's the way I feel. It's valid. <laughs> and they were like, you're right. But you have to learn how to manage that because helping people who aren't performing well is just as important as getting people ready for the next step. 
And so for me, it was a little bit of this shift where I had focused so much on, you know, the people that were in the middle that had the potential, let's get them up and then let's get the high performers up. And the people who weren't performing just kind of fell at the wayside. And part of that was a shortcoming of mine. Um, and so now I look at people from a holistic standpoint. And then the first thing I say to myself when we have, we get to those points with low performers is, you know, what have I done to help them? You know, I put the responsibility on me as a manager. How have I helped them? What have I done for them? Have I put them in positions to succeed? Have I provided them opportunities? And then I'll look at, okay, now what have they done? Um, but I always look first, what have I done? Because ultimately their performance, um, I have a big impact on. And it took me a really long time to learn how to, first of all, stop internalizing it. Because <laughs> um, that was hard. I didn't want to feel bad. Um, and I would always take it so personal. Um, you know, if someone wasn't performing well, I felt it was a direct reflection of me. And in a sense, it was. But learning how to help them. Um, and so like the first time I had somebody who went from like a really low performer to just I was so proud of him and I'll never forget his name. His name was Noah, um, you know, where people were just kind of ready to give up on him. And I've known him for a long time. I'd known him for about 10 years. I'd seen him in different roles of his career. Um, and I even remember having a conversation at one point with him in a review where it was like, look, we either got to step up or we're going to have to move on. Um, and to, to see his growth, because I got to work with him, that actually probably was way more fulfilling than focusing on the middle people and the high performers. And so that was a big challenge for me, um, really was to understand first, how do I you know, manage low performers? And then, you know, what does that process look like? How do we get them to move up or, or move out? And you know, how do we have those conversations? Because it's difficult. You know, everyone has, um, not everyone's gonna be perfect. Not everyone is gonna be amazing, um, but how can we get the most out of them and help them you know, get to where they wanna be? Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that want to um, work their way up. And then there's people that don't, they just want to do their job and then go home. Mm -hmm. And they have no desire to be in leadership or management or take on the next thing. They just want to do their job and go home. And you're so right, it is difficult to uh, have those conversations sometimes. And you know, I've, I've found myself even, um, you know, sitting down with somebody, it's after I've I asked myself, have I done everything that I can possibly do to help this individual before now they have to help themselves? And, and I, I've had these conversations where it's like, okay, it's obvious that you're not happy mm -hmm. because your teammates know it, our customers know it, mm -hmm. everybody knows that you're not happy. And you know, that's something that I take personal that I think everybody should be happy with what they're doing. And, mm -hmm. and I've, so I've talked people into just resigning. Mm -hmm. I mean, not because I want to get rid of them. It's, it's, listen, you know, you're here and you should be happy. So if you're not happy here, then you've got to figure out what that means for you and be happy somewhere. And, mm -hmm. and then at the end of the conversation, they go home and they reflect or they come back with a new attitude or they hand me their resignation letter. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but, but at the end of the day, if you're, if you're in a position that you don't like and you don't, then it's not doing you any good. It's not doing anybody any good. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard, it's hard to do that sometimes. Like I remember um, the joke used to be when I worked at the theater, because we have um, team meetings where bless their souls, they would get up at like seven o'clock in the morning 
and we would have an all team meeting. So you have like, you know, about 80 to 100 people in this in an auditorium to kind of go through different things. And one of the things I would say to them, um, and my managers would always laugh at me because they were like, man, that seems so harsh. I would tell them, hey, look, like, you know, this is kind of where we're going. This is where we're headed. These are the things we need from you. These are the expectations. And I would tell them, hey, and you know what? If that's not something you want to do, that's okay. And that means this isn't, this isn't the place for you. And, you know, it's okay. But I would tell them why it was okay. You know, like, this is why, because, you know, we don't want you to have a bad feeling or, you know, we don't want you to have to worry about, you know, how the customers are with you. Um, it's, it gave them almost like permission to make that decision. And I normally would get a couple of resignation letters, you know, after the meeting, they would come home and before their shift, they would turn in their two weeks. And my managers would be like, I can't believe you did that. Like, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, why would we want somebody who is going to be here that doesn't really want to be here? Like, that's not going to benefit anybody. And I'm no ill will, like, I'm grateful for them, you know, and I respect that. It's hard to kind of look at yourself and say, hey, I need this job to pay a bill, but I hate it. I really don't want to be here. Um, and I think that takes a lot of strength and courage. And I, I feel like people who make those choices, we really should, um, they should actually receive a lot of respect because that is hard. Um, but they would always laugh at me because they thought that was crazy. I would do that in a team meeting where I'm supposed to be pumping people up for, you know, the summer. And I'm like, Hey, if you don't want to be here, like you, I'm, my feelings aren't going to be hurt. You're more than welcome to resign. Like it's okay. Uh, but they just always thought that was so weird. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you that that takes me back to a comment you made earlier about learning the dynamics of corporate America, and it's a little different. And yeah. and something I had to learn too, because I I didn't see myself as a corporate manager. Because certainly, when you get into these environments, it's like this structure of this is how we do things, and there's nothing I hate worse than this is how we do things. <laughs> you know, it's like, what is the, what is the goal? What is it that you want to achieve? Um, I had the privilege to sit down with our CEO uh, on a couple of times and we were having dinner and I asked him, you know, when you go home at night, what weighs on your mind? And he said, uh, our customers and our people. And those were the two things. Those are the two. And, and it resonated with me so much because I felt that way my entire career, but you get into corporate in quotes, corporate America. And then the, you know, here it is our most senior leader telling me that these are the two things that weigh on him at night mm -hmm. uh, because we have great retention. Uh, we have, how do we maintain that? How do we support our people? How do we develop our people? How do we maintain our, our customers and keep going? Um, but I think that sometimes between that vision and where you're at, there's this lost in translation because we are a business that's for profit unless you work for a nonprofit, which is yep. a different story because <laughs> uh, those companies exist. Um, mm -hmm. But most businesses are for profit. And so a lot of times that's the focus. How mm -hmm. do we improve our numbers? How do we get more uh, this and that? And, and really it does, I hate to make it so simple, but it is really that simple. You just focus on your people and all that other stuff just kind of takes care of itself. Yeah, that's actually a big one um, for me. Um, one of the things with my teams, any team that I've ever worked for is um, making sure they know um, that I care and kind of like what you said with Maya Angelou's kind of quote. But for me, I've always looked at it as that um, 
happy employees, um, employees that are getting their needs met, whether it's personally or professionally, um, they're going to be happier people. They're going to be more productive. Um, and so for me, I really, um, and I would say probably in the last 10 years, it really changed my approach and management of looking at people from a holistic standpoint. Um, and I've gotten better results from it, um, you know, and I've gotten a I've made a point to know about what's going on with my team members. Um, you know, do they have families? Um, even during the pandemic, it was even more so where we would have virtual happy hours or we would have virtual team lunches um, or we would have work sessions where we block off four hours on our calendar and we would share ideas. Um, and I learned a lot, you know, obviously now we're seeing into their homes. I got to meet some of um, my trainer's spouses or their children or their dogs, you know, um, and it really, I noticed it kind of gave us, especially this last year, which kind of seems opposite in the sense of, because we were virtual, we wouldn't have these strong bonds or connections, because that was one of the biggest things of team dynamics when we all went home. Um, we actually kind of nurtured and strengthened that bond. Um, and I was very grateful um, for that opportunity. And while the pandemic's horrible, I'm actually grateful um, for this unique opportunity to show me that there's other ways other than face-to-face. -face. And I think that this paradigm shift has really changed how leaders um, manage their people, how they um, build relationships with their people. And I think it was very eye-opening for people to recognize that, or leaders to recognize they've got to meet their team members and see them as people first. And and I tell my team members that I'm going to manage you as a person first, not an employee, but as a person first. You're telling me right now that you've got, you know, your children just came home from school and they want snacks and they're like, ah, we're not going to have a team meeting at three. You know, <laughs> what you tell me when form the best team meeting is. Um, and that just built a lot of goodwill with people, you know, because they recognized, hey, Mary's going to be flexible. She recognizes I'm stressed out or I've got a lot going on. Um, and I think that that's really important. Just looking at people as unique individuals and caring about them and knowing that them knowing that you care is the biggest thing. Yeah. I was going to ask you, um, what's the, what's the number one thing that you could tell new leaders kind of coming into themselves, their career, but I, I think you just answered it. <laughs> yeah. Take care of your people. That's, and that's always been the biggest thing. Take care of your people and the rest will figure itself out. Um, you can have the hardest um, workload, you can have, you know, tough maybe procedures, but if you take care of your people, they're going to look out for you, they're going to rise to the occasion, um, they're going to want to go above and beyond, and so it's really more, the leaders really, sh they should be called people managers or, you know, people leaders, because that's really what they're doing, they're not driving the process, they're allowing others to grow, um, but it's done with with your support leader and leaders take a back seat. You allow them to shine, you know, allow them to shine yep. your name. Yes. Might get credit, but allow them to take the brunt of the credit, allow them to um, show all their talents and embrace that because it's just going to make you be better. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what, what is it that is, What's something that you want to achieve as you continue your own personal development? 
Like oh. what are your, what are your goals? <laughs> um, so some of my personal goals, um, which you knowing me, you'll probably crack up, but eventually I would like to get my doctorate in leadership, um, organizational leadership. Um, that to me is something I just, I want, um, I got to wait until my son kind of gets through high school and college, and then it'll be my turn again to be able to go back. Um, but for me professionally, um, I want to actually get into more of talent leaders, um, being able to work and train leaders. Um, currently I'm a part of learning and development in Amazon, um, where I help, you know, more of like the team members. Um, you know, get them to upskill, get them, you know, learning their new roles. Um, but eventually I would like to actually train leaders um, and be a part of that and help work through that because I never had anything like that. And so I just think about, man, I probably would have been even more of a powerhouse <laughs> had I had more of that training um, early on. So I definitely want to share that and, and kind of move in that direction personally. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Um, and I think leadership, just the term has really evolved, um, probably more so in the last few years than ever. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, I remember early on in my career, I used to have a weekly management meeting where I would get <laughs> with my department managers and we would discuss, you know, what's kind of going on in each everybody's role, right, in their departments. And I shifted that to a leadership meeting. So I still have the same weekly meeting. And it's more about not necessarily what's going on, but what are you doing to help the people that are either succeeding and supporting them to continue that? Or what are you doing to help the people that are struggling and to support them and help them succeed? So uh, it's, it's, it really is a, a mindset shift. Um, you know, we say mindset, something that I've recently uh, started uh, looking at was heart set uh, because I lead with my heart um, and it's different. Uh, I think it's a different dynamic than most corporate leaders in our industry or, or any industry um, because it is about people first. And uh, I, I don't know, I mean, you said it beautifully uh, earlier and I, I just don't know how else to say it, but you, you know, you manage your people, you have some empathy and compassion for them and understand that they are people and they have their lives and things that influence them. And anytime you can uh, help them uh, kind of, I don't want to say let them off the hook, but um, help them navigate their own personal things, then they, when they show up, they show up when mm -hmm. you, when you need them, um, whether it's after hours or uh, whatever, or, or during, you know, work time, they really are kind of all in because they know you, you give a damn. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, I think that that's where sometimes um, a lot of leaders fall short. Um, part of it is because you have to be vulnerable with them. Um, and not everybody wants to be vulnerable with their people. And I get it. Um, it took me a long time to feel comfortable to be vulnerable. Um, my current team that, I, that I'm on, um, you know, I would say with the pandemic, I couldn't have asked for a better team. Um, because it was really one of the first times for me too, that there were a lot of days where I was overwhelmed, um, you know, and, and again, it was working from home, having, you know, my son, you know, needing things for me and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the pool stops working and now I'm like, ah, all these things that normally <laughs> you can't work and you forget about. 
um, and you don't have to worry about. And so um, there were some times where we had some really big projects and things that I had committed to, I wasn't able to, to meet the commitment. And, you know, it, I was able and in a safe space to where I could say with my team, hey guys, I need help. I know I committed to this and I'm really sorry. I just, I'm overwhelmed and I'm, I'm really sorry. I just, I need help. And they were so graceful in that. And I think that them seeing, hey, even my manager is just owning and saying, hey, look, today, I just, I'm, I can't do it today. And I'm not, I'm not at my best. Um, they respected it. And it just, it opened up this whole new door with our relationship as well. But you have to be willing to be vulnerable um, yeah. and allow people in to see yeah. that. Otherwise, they think you're a superhero. I was just going to say that we have these ideas of uh, the senior leaders in our, in our life. And, you know, and I mentioned earlier that I had the, the honor to sit with our CEO on a different, a few occasions. And we, the first part of the conversation was about family and kids. And yeah, I've got a couple of teenagers at home and, you know, I'm going through this and I'm like, yeah, me too. And so, you know, like before this call, I was doing dishes and then I cleaned the litter box for the cats. I mean, it's just life. We're all, you know, human beings. And once, once you can establish that with your team, then it does shift the dynamic uh, and, and, and kind of opens up things. And it's, it's very refreshing. Yeah. And I think it also, they see you as a person, you know, not so much you seeing them as people, but also seeing your leader as a person too. Yeah. Um, because we always look to leaders to, you know, be the calm in the storm and that's what we try to do and we try to be, um, but also as leaders, we have to kind of manage ourselves and know that sometimes we might not be the calming, we might be the storm. And so we might need their help to kind of bring that storm in. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's taken a long time and you have to learn that, um, you have to definitely have that trust. And you have to be willing to take that first step forward to say that um, and allow yourself to be vulnerable. But um, yeah, that was that was another learning and growing moment for me to be able to tell them, hey, I'm not on my game and I haven't been for the last week and I didn't get this done and I wasn't as productive as I should have been. And they were just like, you know what? We're so, thanks, Mary. We're so glad you said that because we've been struggling at times too. And I'm like, okay. And just their approach with me was a little bit different. You know, it wasn't like they just change their perspective of me a little bit. And I think that that sometimes we forget that, that as leaders, they need, we need to allow our team members to see us yeah. as people too. So if you could go back to young Mary in her twenties, mm -hmm. and what would you tell her as something that you've learned now about leadership that would have helped her? Be patient with yourself, um, that you're still, you're gonna grow. Um, you're not gonna be perfect. You're not gonna get it right the first time. And to give yourself some grace when you make those mistakes, when you react the wrong way, um, it's okay. You're gonna learn from it. Um, and I think that that is probably one of the biggest things is just the patience and know you're not done um, and you're gonna grow from it. You're gonna learn and it's okay to fail doesn't reflect who you are as a person. <laughs> um, but when you're young, that's not something you want. You don't want to say you did something wrong or bad. Um, you just want to think about all the good things you did. Um, and just know that there's, there's opportunity and good things that happen amongst failure. 
um, and just know that it's going to be okay. Just keep working hard and keep improving. Yeah, we put so much pressure on ourselves when mm -hmm. we're first starting out that later on we learned that we don't have to do that. <laughs> That's self-inflicted. <laughs> getting out of our own way right and that's harder when you're younger yeah. but as you're older you can you're able to kind of step back and look at it a little bit and reflect but we don't do a lot of reflection when we're early very young early on <laughs> yeah yep for sure is there anything um as we kind of wrap this up with our time is there anything that you want to leave anything to anyone anything you want to say um i would just say as being a leader um there's there's always going to be ups and downs and be okay with that. Be okay with the highs, be okay with the lows um, and learn from it. And nobody expects leaders to be perfect. Um, and it's okay when you make those mistakes. Um, we call them learning opportunities on my team. Um, they're opportunities to grow, opportunities to learn um, and give yourself that grace because being a great leader takes time. It does not happen overnight. And that's our episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have a friend that might find it helpful, please forward it on. Also, please rate the show and leave me a review. I would really appreciate that. You can also subscribe to get future episodes. If you would like to share your story or just follow me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at Own Your Space Podcast or on Instagram at JTJohnson360. You can also email me, jason at own-yourspace.com. Thanks for tuning in, and as you go on your journey, own your space. <laughs>